Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. To be numb or un- 
and caring, just simply without anxiety, accepting yourself just as you are. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Tara Brock on Monique Rhodes' Heartbeat album, Accepting Yourself Just the Way You Are, which is maybe our lifelong process and journey. And also to come from that place of acceptance to accepting the loved ones around us in our lives. We, you know, it depends on where we are on the inside. We are doing the best that we can to understand who we are at the deeper level to be observant with watching the person that we tend to express at the surface level and to try to find a meaning between all of that. And I believe that ultimately the journey will be about us coming from a place of love and acceptance and clarity and respect and enoughness that we can definitely cope with the challenges or the opportunities, however you want to look at it, that um, confront us. For example, aging parents, that's a very big thing that's happening for us or to us, uh, not only in this country, but pretty much globally. In India, it's definitely a norm that when our parents get old, they're always with us, they're in the home. Uh, There's a belief system that to have a few generations in the house, especially when you're raising children, creates a kind of a wholesome sense. But what if those of us who might be, you know, single children, for example, I'm a single child, I'm an only child. Or what about some of us who live in a different cultural norm or a different interpretation or mindset where we've lived on our own for a long time or... We have set ourselves in particular comfort zone areas that we think works best for us, and then a situation comes where we have to be called to a higher level of giving, and we are not emotionally, mentally, physically, or even financially ready. So we are going to need tools, tips, techniques, somebody to hold our hands through a journey that can sometimes be quite daunting but also rewarding at the same time. There are tens of millions of Americans that are faced with the changes and challenges as well as opportunities of having aging parents. Many of them are in the sandwich generation, caring for their own children and also aging parents at the same time. With us today is Dr. Ken Druck, an author of Courageous Living and author of the new book, Raising an Aging Parent, Guidelines for Families in the Second Half of Life. A best-selling author and mental health expert, Dr. Druck has spent four decades helping people grow more courageous, compassionate, and resilient through even the most severe adversity, tragedy, and even loss. He's featured regularly in the media, including CNN, The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and he was awarded the Distinguished Contribution to Psychology and Visionary Leadership Awards for his community service and lifetime achievements. Dr. Drug is also a member of the prestigious Transformational Leadership Council, and today we welcome Dr. Ken Drug to the air. Hello, Ken. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be Mm. with you today. Uh, My honor as well. I wanted to start off, did you personally also experience dealing with parents as they were aging? Why this inspired you to contribute a lot of your time and energy in helping many of us that might be going through something similar to cope better? Yeah, I I experienced it on both ends. Mm. I had the privilege and the challenge of raising an aging mother when my sister and I decided that my mom should come out to California from New York, that she would be better living here. We moved her out here, and I, for the last eight, nine years of her life, I was her caregiver. So I've experienced it on that end and gone through all the challenges and changes of caregiving right up to helping her die. And, you know, at some point in my own life, I looked into my own daughter's eyes, and I saw her watching me get older. And I saw kind of a softening and a little bit of sadness in her eyes. 
and it became very interesting to me. And we started talking, and I started also writing a great deal. I had written my Courageous Aging book, and I had started talking to people in my audience about what's it like watching your parent, your mom or your dad, become the older version of themselves. And it's from that curiosity and that immersion into these kinds of issues that Raising an Aging Parent was written. Mm, That's beautiful. It's been quite an interesting journey, hasn't it, for many individuals who are the caregivers for their parents. What's one thing have you noticed that caregivers have really learned through that process? Well, I think you say it so beautifully. There's a, a level of care, a higher level of being a caregiver, of being in service to another person. And here's this person is our mom or our dad, somebody who many years ago was in service to us when we were helpless little kids and doing their best to raise us, to show us how to live in the world, how to live in our bodies, how to live in our hearts and uh, providing us with a template for what it meant to be a human being. So I think here we are now, as their lives change, as they face new challenges, perhaps their health, perhaps uh, they're retired, perhaps they're not driving anymore, perhaps their financial picture has changed, or they're they're moving out of the family house into a smaller place because they can't manage it. But whatever, or their their thoughts, maybe they're grieving the loss of their younger self. So for whatever reasons, you know, we're being called to a higher level of caregiving, of selfless giving. And we, as you point out, you know, need to kind of equip ourselves with the tools and the heart and the disposition and the awareness of the challenges they're facing, as well as the opportunities that are there to harvest in getting closer Mm -hmm. to them. Could you point out some of the opportunities? Because sometimes when you are caught in the muddle of what feels like something that is overwhelming, you miss the opportunity. For me, what I have learned with my parent is the opportunity has been for me to find that inner space to be more kinder which um, I always thought I was a kind of person, but then I was tested to recognize that there uh, was more room, there there was more room available for my kindness to amplify. That was something that I learned. But any other thoughts from your part? Yeah, I love what you, I love that. You know, for me too, with kindness and patience, because many of the things, you know, they've slowed down sometimes and sometimes, their memory has failed them, or we're feeling the burden of caregiving at that moment, and we we can become very impatient and unkind. And I think I've experienced that as well. And one particular day I remember, when we talk about what are the opportunities, I remember one day several months before my mom passed, we were sitting and having lunch, and she looked me in the eyes, and she pulled closer physically to me than she ever had. And she looked me in the eyes, and she said, do you know how much I love you? Do you know how grateful I am? My dad had died at, at a younger age, and, and I had, you know, I was her, her older son. Do you know how much I, you've always been there for me? Do you know what that's meant to me and my life, to have you there? In, in the ways that you've been there. And we both looked at each other in a new way. And, you know, that day I, I had to leave a half an hour later. We both teared up and I left and I got in my car and I did something very strange. I turned on the radio <laughs> and I then I turned off the radio and I said, what am I trying to tune out? Am I was I overwhelmed by this expression of love? Is my receiver broken? And the awareness, the opportunity for me was to realize my receiver was broken. And I started thinking, how many other people have tried to tell me that they loved me? The way my mother mm-hmm. had just taught shown and how often had I deflected their expression of love? So I set a goal for myself to really become better at receiving the love that I that's there for me that other people want to show me and the love that I have for that I can give myself 
And that became a goal, and it was an opportunity to learn something from my interaction with my mom. Mm, it's funny. My mother says the same thing. She'll share over and over again how much she appreciates what I've done for her and how much she really values and cares. And there are times that I find that I'm able to accept it and the other times that I'm just too busy with life and I go, yeah, 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 I know that. Om Shanti, let's move on, you know. But I can understand that I think they're getting to such a pure place in their personality that some of the things that they might have missed begins to surface, and it's just natural for them to come from the best place possible. Let's talk about your new book, Ken. It's entitled Raising an an Aging Parent. The word raising rather than caring. Can you elaborate on that? Mm -hmm. Raising is raising up. It's, you know, when we raise our children, what we're trying to do is to raise them up, to empower them, to show her my, in my case, my daughters, to show her those higher levels, that higher ground, to not to teach her learned helplessness by doing everything for her, by disempowering her, by dismissing her, by having power over our children. We're raising them up so they can become the fullest expression of themselves. And that's what we want to do with our parents as well as they get older. We want to raise them up. Their lives are changing. And, you know, when we look at the word raising, and it's an emotionally charged word, it almost feels, and we can interpret that as, oh, we're dismissing them, we're controlling them, we're in charge, and we don't like it. No, it's raising them up. And that's the use of raising an aging parent. It's elevating them. It's supporting them. It's showing them that kindness, that patience. And it's summoning the part of ourselves that can do those things. Mm. It's interesting sometimes when you're not able to raise them up and you take them for granted their process, again, because life is moving on for you or with you, that it's like a child or a brand new pet and you're not necessarily attentive all the time to being aware that they do hear what you're saying, but sometimes you see like they're not responsive. Have you ever had those moments when you were short and less than kind, and you said something or looked at them in a particular way, or the vibrations really weren't of raising them up. And yet, when you look at their faces or into their eyes, it's as if it, it didn't matter, they didn't hear you. But deep down, yes. you know they must have, they must have. Have you ever yes. had that experience? And if so, Absolutely. what was the realization? What was the realization that happened for you? For me, it's, you know, it's seeing what I give my attention to, how much I am able to really show up and how I allow the distractions, the interruptions, the attention deficit of having such a full and busy life where I've set the table for so much for myself to do so much that I'm not really caring for myself. I'm no longer tuned in. And often when that happens, I can remember many times looking at my mother and saying, Mom, I owe you an apology. And she'd go, what? I I, I owe you an apology, Mom. I've been so distracted. My attention has been focused, and at times I've been so impatient that I really didn't hear you, that I really haven't been attentive. And uh, rather than raising you up, I've kind of put you off or put you down. And I want to. I really want to listen. I really want to understand. I really want to be with you, and in the time that we're spending together. And sometimes that puts in the, the correction, and it, we catch ourselves. We become mindful and catch ourselves giving our attention to so many things that there's a dilution in our relationships, in our most important relationships. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely. I like that. So regarding the book, again, inside of it, you do offer some self-care checklist. And there are a lot of different variations in how we define care. Some folks like to go to the water or into nature. My definition of caring for myself is to be able to keep remembering that my thoughts are the greatest, you know, caring tool that I have. But that's not always 100% in attention to itself. And so I might need something more. 
Could you share with us some of the tips that maybe some of our listeners that are going through something similar of raising aging parents that they can think about and, and begin to incorporate? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are so many things we can do, and as you point out so beautifully, you know, it, a lot of it starts with the voice that we're using in our own mind. Is it the voice of of, of harsh self-criticism? Is it the voice that says, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up? Or is it the voice of compassion? And including when it comes to self-care, is it the voice of self-compassion? Is it a voice that, that speaks kindly to us about ourselves, that shows us understanding, clarity, humility, encouragement, gentleness? And I think we want to use that, when we use that voice with ourselves, we set in motion all the activities of self-care. We learn to step back, to come up for air, to refill our cup, to replenish, to take the time to do that. We speak to ourselves in a kind voice, encouraging and acknowledging the things that we've done. We learn to say no when it's appropriate to say no. And we learn how to say that in a gentle tone. You know, if, if I, I've often told people, if I had time for everything, I would be going to lunch with you as you've so generously invited me if I had time for everything. But this is a season of my life where I've had to prioritize everything. You know, for me right now, what's, it's so interesting because my daughter and her husband decided at a late stage in their lives to have, to have kids. And they had twins four months ago. So my priority list has changed. And sometimes it's a blessing in our lives like that, having my little boy twins, my grandsons. And sometimes it's a challenge. Something's gone sideways in our business or we're having a health challenge and we need to reprioritize. And I think that's an, an expression of self-care when we do that. So it's saying learning when, what to say no to and it's learning what to say yes to. And we say yes to the care of ourselves, we self-regulate, we speak to ourselves kindly, and we do the things that fill our cups rather than deplete our energy. Mm, that's lovely, lovely hearing that. So we usually think of family as what happens in the first half of our lives with our family of origin. How is that changing dramatically in these times? Because People might say, I'm pretty good on technology, but yet when I look at kids at four or five years old, it seems as if the technology is their mom and dad nowadays, and things are yeah. just different. It, things are different. Yeah, and you're so right. You know, this, We tend to think of family. It's like, oh, my family, that's the first half of life. Yet some of the richest parts of our lives come in the second half and in our families' lives as well. There are some profound challenges and opportunities that occur in that second half of life. And we need to grow into that second half self, who we are in the second half in so many different ways, You know, including the caregiving that we just talked about, including our relationships. You know, If we have brothers and sisters, and I, I happen to have a brother and a sister, they're getting older too, and and what role are they playing in our parents' lives? And has one of them enrolled themselves as the family hero, or the savior of our parents, or the caregiver, or is that us? Uh, our old sibling rivalries resurfacing. You know, part of the second half of life is saying, you know what? I need to let go of some of the sibling rivalries, the grudges, the old sensitivities, the old ways I take things personally. I need to stop reconstructing all the drama of my childhood and my family of origin and grow into my middle-of-life soul in which I've let go of some of those things. I've kind of accepted that that we all did the best we could. I've shown forgiveness and understanding and I'm not, you know, I don't have sensitivities that are just right beneath the skin waiting to come out if somebody doesn't act or acts the way they used to or is insensitive to my need. So I think right. those are all second half of life challenges. 
and that I that you know I wrote two chapters about sibling relationships because that's so important for us to get that straight so that we're both if there is a brother or sister involved our parents aren't watching us fight and reenact old dramas and rivalries our parents are watching a, a, their children love each other support each other and also be capable of supporting them in concert as I'm listening to you, Ken, it requires what I am coining just a deep sense of inner resilience and inner power within our own selves individually, individually, because all of these qualities are actually normal innate strengths in the human personality, but yes. events in life have changed us. We have changed, and some of us are holding on to bitterness instead of becoming better. Some of us are struggling with forgiving instead of, you know, just, you know, moving on. And so there's a lot happening in our lives. And here we are being given a wonderful opportunity to expand. For example, you've got some folks that are caring for, you know, aging parents as well as their own children. What are some of the challenges that you would share are facing this sandwich generation? Yeah, you know, the first thing is to put your hand on your own heart. I have a, a this last year I found myself saying in all the speeches I give and the and the coaching counseling I'm doing, I I find myself so often telling people, encouraging people to take your foot off your throat and put your hand on your heart. And often these are people who are squeezed in the middle of trying to have they have aging parents and they have a family and they have kids they're raising a marriage they're trying to cultivate love and intimacy and they have a, a career and a job they try to do their best they're you know meeting financial responsibilities and obligations they're trying to maintain their health and well-being you know and and they're doing all these things and yet love and spend time with and care for an aging parent and they're squeezed. And in that moment, in this new season of life where we have so much pressure, we have to really download the new operating system for self-care. The sandwich generation, mm -hmm. it really has to say, all right, it's not enough for me to simply go get a mani and a pedi. You know, mm -hmm. that's not going to do the trick. I really need to reprioritize things. I really need to communicate more directly i need to delegate and share the responsibility and the load and you know the workload of all the things that i'm doing i really need to make agreements with my parents you know sometimes our parents are doing things that add that they don't know are adding an enormous amount of responsibility and and activity to our already very full plate and we have to communicate yeah. that to them, to our partners, to our kids, so that everybody sees that we, our health and well-being is something that we're also paying attention to. We're not becoming martyrs who are spread so thin that you don't even know who we are anymore. We're just, you know, constant type E, everything to everybody else. <laughs> and we've stopped being who we are. You know, I have to say, like, even wouldn't you say that a part of us, you know, we don't mind being part E. I think we're just maybe challenged by the balance, the balance that we actually need. And because I want to I wanna check how much I've got available in me to bestow, to share with the rest yes. of the world. But yes. it's like, yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like I don't mind being uh, of 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 love and and giving to others, to souls, to my parents. I'm. I think when I get frustrated, it's just my deep feeling that I'd like. I wish I had more within me yes. to be able yes. to be of service. Um, you've taught. Well, you hit the word balance. Word Go balance. Ahead. I love that you brought that word into our conversation because that's, mm -hmm. you know, how do I, how do I rebalance if life is a constant, a moving target where I'm constantly going to be thrown off balance, where I need to balance rest and activity, where I need to fill my cup because I've given so much of my heart and I love being that person who has such a giving 
heart and it's such a generosity of heart. You know, how do I fill my own cup? Do I take time in the quiet, in the stillness, in the silence to to rest my heart and to listen to my own heartbeat? You know, to listen to the music I love, to have laughter and lightheartedness. You know, do I, am I doing those things so that my cup is full and I can be the generous, loving person that I aspire to be? Mm, exactly, exactly. You've taught grief literacy at the Harvard School of Public Health, and you've even created an award-winning community nonprofit foundation for families who have lost a child. Can people heal, really, after a profound traumatic loss of a loved one? And if so, how do they go about it? Well, you know, we, we've talked about how it's okay that at times in life it's okay that it's not okay. If we've suffered a traumatic loss, we've had our heart ripped out. We've been shattered. We've had you know, our, our plan A in life decimated. And I've gone through that in my own life, having lost my oldest daughter at age 21. Mm. And, you know, and when people say, are you okay now? Or, you know, what's it like 20 years later? I tell them, look, I see beauty again. I see the sunsets and the rainbows. Uh, I sing. My heart sings again. I laugh. Life is good. I feel the blessings and the gifts and the miracles of my life again. I didn't for many years. But I walk with a limp in my heart. And and they say, what does that mean? Well, I, you know, forever, I will always forever miss the idea, or so far, that my daughter didn't get to live out her life. She was such a beautiful soul, such an amazing spirit, and that she didn't get to live out her life as I know it in this realm as my daughter, as somebody who I could pick up the phone or go visit and be with and whose life was blossoming and who I loved watching grow. That will forever be uh, something that a sorrow in my heart but I wear that and I walk with a limp in my heart without shame without embarrassment without having to explain or defend it and that's okay we've all gone through things we've all taken hits and part of healing is accepting the part of us that may feel an endless sorrow at times do I feel it all the time no have I healed my heart? Yes. Have I gone on and am I making my life an expression of my love rather than my pain? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I also give myself the freedom and the permission to feel a sorrow. If I'm walking behind a beautiful young woman who has hair exactly like my daughter's and I'm triggered into an, a moment of sorrow, I allow that without shame. So I think mm-hmm. that's part of the the template of how what I call grief literacy of how we go on and make our lives an expression of our love not our pain that we make our love the central organizing principle of our lives not our despair Mm-hmm. beautiful love that it's gorgeous your book contains a lot of practical advice for adult sons and daughters caring for aging parents but as well as how to face their first holidays, which we've just passed, without an aging parent, what would you, well, what do you usually say to them? Well, I invite people to explore, and we're all so different. There's no cookie cutter, but to explore, you know, what are the ways, you know, I, I have a code when I teach and train in grief literacy, and and I work with the Navy SEALs, or I work with communities around the world that are experiencing loss when I've worked with the Sandy Hook parents who lost a child or the Columbine parents or after 9-11, I teach something I call the five honorings. And one of the honorings is to begin to have a spiritual, to cultivate a spiritual relationship with those that we've lost to do something good in their name, to bring their spirit present, 
in ways that feel relevant and that resonant and that are meaningful. So over the holidays, you might bring uh, that person into conversation. Over the holidays, you might bring a food and make a, a food that they used to bring to holiday gatherings. You might take an hour to go to a place that you feel they are present, whether that's in a memorial um, park, whether that's on a on the beach. It's a special place where you commune with them, where you, you cultivate that spiritual relationship. They are not here, but they are here. And I'm holding my heart right now. And mm. how can we find them and connect with them in our hearts on the frequency of love that never dies. There is a love that never dies. And we need to cultivate and tap into that love that never dies in the spiritual realm so that we can Mm -hmm. stay connected, feel their love. Like sometimes I can feel my daughter's touch on my face. I can Mm -hmm. feel her, I love you, Daddy. And almost every day I tell her, as well as my earth daughter, I have an angel and earth daughter. (laughs) I tell them both that I love them so dearly. Beautiful. I think that's part, that's one of the honorings is to cultivate that spiritual thing and do it on holidays when families are gathering and we're likely to be triggered and see and feel their absence more than other times on their birthday, on their, their angel versaries on days that that mean something, uh, that trigger, that missing, that yearning, that grieving response, we can find ways to fill our heart with them to celebrate their lives and to express our love. You know, the more I have conversations with individuals like you and so many and the richness of advice that you offer, I find myself returning to the same conclusion that Humanity is being called to really be kinder, nicer, more understanding, and more caring. And it seems that one of the reasons why we're in the position that we're in now is that we're just, we just haven't been practicing that. And maybe it's going to get considerably challenging until we can get back to that place because there's no other way, there's no other where, there's nowhere else to go but to come from a, a better place within yourself. And I think when we talk about making making love and our ability to connect and to find common ground with other people, even people we have vast differences with, people who don't look like us, people who come from different parts of the world or the country than us, people who speak with different languages than us, it, it truly is that it's the choice in us take higher ground and this is one of the other honorings which is to take the high road it's to move to the higher ground yeah we can all feel whether it's with an aging parent or with our partners or with people in our own communities or as we turn on the news breaking news and watch the political world unfold we can all take the road of resentment frustration even hatred you know animosity and to interpret what they're what they're doing what they're going through who they are in the most negative and condemning of ways or we can try to find that common ground you know one of the most amazing interviews i've had on my uh, my tour my book campaign and telling people about raising an aging parent was with somebody and i thought i would turn out to be you know, I live in California. I was going to be California roadkill, liberal mm-hmm. California roadkill, but for this person because they were, they, this they were based in Tennessee and they had were one of the people who founded the Tea Party, politically, and they were on a very different track than I am politically. Well, the first question we, the first thing we talked about, was how we are as parents, what we want for our kids. And he said, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I could survive losing a child like you did. And Mm -hmm. I asked him about his kids, and we talked about being fathers and what kind of a world we wanted to leave, what our legacy would be, what kind of a world we would leave our children. 
how we would contribute and give them the same freedoms and opportunities and blessings that we had been able to experience. And instead of talking about politics, we talked about what was in our hearts and what we wanted for our kids. It was one of the best interviews I ever did. And we mm. became friends. We crossed, we created a bridge. And it's creating those bridges of understanding. When people bite our noses off, it's looking over and saying, hey, instead of saying, you know, you condemning them or calling them a name or fighting with them, it's saying, you having a tough day? Because nine out of ten times, they're having a tough day. And they need a kind voice. And you can turn, you can change the polarity of everything nine out of ten times. Now, there are people that are unreachable. There mm-hmm. are conflicts that are that are you know, unresolvable with that, that approach. But nine out of ten times, we can make peace. True, true. And, and, I, and I think we need to keep trusting in that more and more. So what are your final thoughts in terms of um, how we can deal with um, accepting, accepting that this is what I'm going to have to do for maybe another year, another 10 years, another 20 years. Because yeah, I found I think, that that's, that's the, yeah. the biggest part. Like we sometimes don't want to accept. Yeah, I think we resist. You know, it's, I think it's healthy for us to object. Instead of condemning ourselves for not being positive enough thinkers, sometimes mm-hmm. we need to get in the car and scream or yell or find constructive outlets for the part of us, you know, again, put our hands on our own hearts and allow ourselves to say, damn, you know, and and to, to object. You know, sometimes it's important to just object because just beyond that healthy expression of our objection, of our resistance, mm-hmm. is is an acceptance, is an understanding that this, is, especially with our aging parents, this is the the way of life. It is the cycle of life that I'm in the middle of right now. And I want to show up for that, this part of it, even though it's not comfortable, it's messy, it's sad, it has all the elements of, of a loss. I want to show up in a way that I can be proud of and that I'm clear and certain that I've conveyed my love, not my frustration, impatience, resentment, you know, that I've expressed my love. And it's showing up in those ways that we want to do for, for the remainder of our ride. That's right. who we want to be. We want to be people who show up with love and awareness but also who take care of ourselves. And this Beautiful. is the cycle of life. Beautiful. I love it. So are you doing any book signing? Are you going on a tour? Are there any upcoming yeah. events? Yeah, I've got workshops around the country, courageous aging workshops, and I've got a raising and aging parent workshops, and I'm convening every workshop that I do in every city. I have. I also invite community leaders and we have a community conversation on aging and on courageous aging. And we talk about what it means to summon the courage, the strength, the faith, the humility, uh, and, and the practical you know, knowledge and how to educate ourselves so that we can, edu- so we can age courageously and we can support our parents and our brothers and sisters and our communities in getting older and in the experience of getting older and ripening who we are, ripening our souls. And so I'm doing those programs, and I'm doing a lot of uh, interviews, and I'm doing a lot of uh, radio and television, and just, you know, it's in my heart. You and I talked before about what's in our hearts to do and to Mm -hmm. be. just in my heart to know, to want to give people every opportunity to become loving and connected to their parents, and if you're an aging parent listening, to be connected to your adult child who may be a sandwich generation person and to help them and support them, but to, for families to be loving and closer, more understanding and compassionate. That's fantastic. Leave us with the best website to get in touch with you. Best website is uh, kendruck.com, K-E-N-D-R-U-C-K.com, kendruck.com. 
And you can also join me on my Facebook page. I have articles almost every day and videos, and that's Dr. Ken Druck, D-R-U-C-K. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter and all those good things. And I'm also, if you're interested in whether we're having a workshop in your community, please uh, be in touch with us, and we'll send out the, the listing of that and other things that you might be interested in. Mm, Dr. Kendrog, thank you so much for what you're doing. And really a very mindful and and beautiful conversation that I've had with you that I'll take it with me for a long time. Thanks thank so much. you so much for sharing your audience and your living room and your heart with me. You, it's wonderful to talk with you. All the very best. Take care. Bye-bye now. That was Dr. Ken Druck, and for more information, just go to his website, kendruck, D-R-U-C-K dot com, for more information. And I took a lot from our conversation, and I'm sure, I sure hope you did too. I know that being the caregiver can sometimes be just a little bit stressful, but it's not going to be impossible. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. And as I've been inviting everyone every hour in the hour, practice your traffic control. Pause for 30 seconds every hour in the hour. Check what's going on in your thoughts. Give yourself a moment to breathe. Be in peace with yourself and extend those thoughts and vibrations of peace to your environment and to the world around you. Here is If I Had One Wish by Lucinda Drayton on her Bliss album. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Bye-bye.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.